We are shows what you know. We'll always watch TV. And if you think we can't, we'll watch more and you'll see. That's why the people of the web believe in Jim from Las Vegas and Jacob from Sweden. Oh, yeah. Set your phasers to discussion. I almost messed that up. Set your phasers Mm, to discussion because here we are. It shows what you know. We are here to bring it as it concerns to Star Trek Discovery. I am just Yay. I would say that you've discovered a great place for a Star Trek Discovery review. That's right. The not quite a joke that I put in the description, I also put it in the podcast. Hello, I'm Jacob Burrows, and I'm here to talk about Star Trek Discovery. How you doing, Jim? I am doing great because I feel like um, it's the future is kind of kind of a dark place, but mm. there's hope. Mm. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, it's Star Trek, everybody. I did do a quick video on it, but the last time there was a Star Trek discussion on the podcast was when we were going over pilots, uh, new new shows for the fall season, and Star Trek was one of them. And at that point, when I'd only seen one episode, and by the way, we're in spoiler-free territory right now. We'll tell you when we get into spoilers. Um, but when I'd seen just one episode, uh, I wasn't quite blown away, and then... I hadn't even seen like part one or part two of the pilot. The, the, yeah, the pilot. So um, then I watched part two and I still wasn't completely blown away. And it wasn't until part three that we kind of got the real pilot where we kind of got to know what the show was going to be and about. And I know I, like it makes sense why they did that. But I'll say that that's the point where I was on board because that was also when Burnham was on board. They were all, all on board the same ship, and it was a Star Trek story, and I liked it. See, now, and I know we went over this a little bit, but we're going to rehash some of it, because I was in, baby. I was in right uh, part one of the, pi- of the pilot, the real pilot. I'm not going to do this rewriting history type thing, even though this is Star Trek, and sure. love alternate timelines and what have you, but I'm going to break it down like this. I was in part one of the pilot part two of the pilot i'm still in episode three i'm in here we go but but where i'm coming from is uh i'm not uh i'm not a star trek guy i don't sit and watch star trek all right Let's get well that you just did for not like nine episodes but okay. yeah did. <laughs> but that's the thing i didn't have any uh preconceptions i wasn't really even too concerned with the crew uh so i their trick i mean clearly their trick was to get people like me to watch it and Mm -hmm. i would say it was a great success because anyone who is a star trek fan they're gonna stick it in for a while they're gonna they're gonna hang out for a while even if they're gonna complain about the pilot and how it's more like a standalone movie or what have you they're still gonna hang out for at least you know five or six episodes probably probably every single episode even if they hate it so you already got those people um so that's a they, good point they, i think you're totally right by the way i mean that makes perfect sense they're clearly doing something a bit different and trying to draw in kind of a different crowd and also keeping in mind that it's like a new platform they're launching and trying to get people on board and they're trying to like do like impress they're they're trying to come out the gate with something impressive uh and as you said star trek fans are already in it they're gonna be in it either way so uh i think that's a good take on it 
Yeah, I so I do think that their their strategy of kind of like slowly making it a Star Trek show is I think it's very smart and I think it's the way to go. Because now, like, I mean, we were talking last week and I'm like, hey, next generation's on Netflix. I might watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Which you just told us you don't do that, but hey, here here we are. And I, I mean, I've seen the movies, obviously. Uh even as a kid, like the original movies, I don't really remember them that well, but I remember like seeing a bunch of them. I'm almost positive I saw the the I think Nemesis. I'm most positive I saw it in the theaters for some reason. Hmm. Uh, whichever one has Patrick Stewart when he gets taken over by like the Borg or whatever. I'm pretty I sure. Don't I don't know if that's that. super specific. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, not in the movie form. I mean, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I, yeah, I know that's probably big time on the show, but I mean, like, whatever the movie, but maybe it wasn't even the Borg. I don't know. He he had green stuff on him. I don't know why I saw it, but I think I saw it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. But uh, either way, yeah, like, familiar with the movies and, of course, the J.J. Abrams movies. Um, but, yeah, even when they were announcing this show, my all, all my thoughts were like, I will never watch that show. Why would I watch a new Star Trek? And then, you know, here we are doing shows which you know. Like, we're going to check out some pilots. And uh, it worked. I became a Trekkie overnight. No, not even overnight. I became a Trekkie in 40 minutes. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, you are a person who watched a lot, uh, a lot of shows, and it's almost like you've willfully like gone away from that in the past few decades. Like, because you've had like I get if you didn't watch it uh, younger, but like the past decade or whatever, if you ever felt like checking out Star Trek you could easily have burned through a lot of episodes. Now it's even easier because it's on Netflix. But uh, yeah, so so I you see... Well, I'm know? sorry to cut you off. I was going to say, no, it fine. always seemed like a thing that was too big, where it was mm-hmm. like, where do I start? What am I going to watch? Even though right. I different, obviously different shows are different things, so it's not like you have to watch the other ones, I imagine. But it was always like, ah, oh, what am I going to... People talk about Star Trek Discovery... Oh, not Discovery... Uh, Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Generations, Star Trek This. It's like, who, who knows where to, where to start from there? Yeah, and as for my point of view, I'm, I'm not someone who's watched everything, but I watched some of it uh, because it was on TV. So I watched it. We didn't have a lot of channels. So yeah, I, I watched some of it and absorbed some of it, but I, I certainly don't feel as like... Some people are very protective towards it, and I'm not super protective towards star trek at all it's not like my baby or anything so any of the changes they've made i i guess i'm one of those casual star trek fans or whatever any of the changes they're made i'm just like yeah fuck whatever um so so i i, I it's not really that i disliked the first few episodes but i was getting more and more into it as the show was uh trucking along here well and because your points when we first discussed the pilot like your points about the crew and stuff i didn't think of it i didn't even really think about it yeah, and, but then when you mention it, it's like, oh yeah, obviously that's supposed to be what Star Trek is, but I just didn't pick up on it, not really having any frame of reference besides like movies and stuff. It was just kind of like, cool, here's a quick adventure we're going on. Um, and yeah. I mean, obviously, well, I mean, we'll get into it in spoilers. Things become clear how they're doing it, and and off, uh, I, I'm not the first person to point this out. It's very reminiscent to like when Battlestar Galactica did their kind of modern day reboot where it kind of started with like a mini series, more movie type thing to mm-hmm. set the backstory and kind of bring things into motion. Uh, so I'm with it. Yeah. 
And I think I can, spoiler-free, kind of rehash what I was saying in the video uh, about the first few episodes. Because I made a video after the fifth episode, and at that point, like, there was so much stuff I was liking in the character interactions. Because then what we get into, like, the thing I was saying um, about the crew, that we get these nice different characters, like it's a Mass Effect game or something, we're getting introduced to these different species, uh, different characters, mostly humans, to be honest, but like a lot of them, and they feel distinct and like real people. Uh, yeah, uh, most of them. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, towards maybe, I, I'll, I'll uh, have some caveats towards the end of the season there, but um, m mo overall, really great that we're getting all these nice characters. And I also enjoyed that, you know, Star Trek is famous for having red shirts, characters who are introduced to just kind of die. Like, they're just, they're, they're, they're the no-names that you, you put in, and they I'm sure everyone's heard it because we all talked a lot about game of thrones this year so everyone's heard the term red shirts and they did what felt like almost the opposite where they got a kind of vibe going that it is actually a dangerous space world we're in uh they set that vibe pretty nicely i thought so um there's a lot there, there's some departures i guess from traditional star trek and most of those are very successful i think yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm obviously not picking up any of their references. I know that there's like characters and references they're dropping here and there. I mean, to the extent of that, I'm when they say Spock, I'm like, hey, I know that one. I know Spock. This guy knows Spock. It's like his dad. <laughs> you tell me this, this guy knows Spock. Oh wow, that's very cool. Do you think this development is like? Uh... Uh, natural continuation of the new Star Trek movies. I mean, the first one was very successful and very good um, and felt more like everyone was saying it felt more like a Star Wars thing almost. And you feel like they were going for like, or at least like tagging on to that in a, in a way with the pilot and the continuation. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a very good uh, comparison. It's almost like a weird way it's like they they're they're starting in the Star Trek like current movie version and then easing you back into more traditional Star Trek, yeah. I guess. But mm -hmm. still, obviously, with kind of the cinematic style and, and like modern, you know, obviously modern effects and and like filmmaking techniques. Yeah. But yeah, it really feels like they started you at that level because I mean, what's the beginning? It's like that big like they they get lost and then it's like a big rush to the ship and all that like. And and then they like slowly just ease you into like, hey, now we're just hanging out, caught in a time loop. Yeah. And I mean, I know people like I don't really have a problem watching something that's old as far as effects, but I know people who are like, what am I going to watch some sort of cardboard doors go whooshed here and there and like some stupid monster. And I'm, I'm, I'm more accepting and sometimes like that sort of kitsch factor where they're. Uh, where my argument would be when it's good, at least they're focusing on the story and making something great like that. And you can view it more as theater if you want or whatever and not worry too much about the effects and they're kind of toned down. But I know a lot of people who are like, why the fuck would I ever watch this uh, talking about the old show? And I mean, they certainly fix that because, as you said, it, it looks uh, cinematic and fresh. We did. I did complain in like the first episode. Why the fuck are they tilting the camera like that? Why are they like over stylizing this so much? But I also felt like that that's not an issue throughout the the show. That was just like some growing pains or something. I don't know because the style overall uh, is really nice looking. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I agreed with you on that because there was even with like the lens flares and the way everything in the background was so flashy and uh, like kind of distracting. And uh, yeah, I really think it was just to kind of ease people in from, you know, the movies that more like, I guess, modern people be used to uh, without much of a Trek background and kind of just easing them into like, now, okay, now we're in a, t- a TV show. It doesn't have to be like this ridiculous crap out the window all the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it works. And, and uh, even though I'm, it's, it's weird because I would say the same thing. Like I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to watch with these crappy effects. But then i try to argue with people when they don't want to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it has dated effects. And it's like, yeah. no, the effects don't matter. You dumbass. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I should smarten up because I mean, if this if the characters are compelling and the story is compelling, it doesn't really matter in the end. Mm, would you say? I mean, this is more of a, a broad, abstract question, but would you say you you lean more towards liking fantasy than science fiction, just generally speaking, or are you kind of like whatever whatever is good is good? Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I probably lean more towards fantasy to science fiction, but. Yeah, I'm still about whatever is good's good. But yeah, I, I guess if so if there's a weird like I mean the whole thing with Star Trek was kind of the idea that it's dry science fiction and and that it just felt too overwhelming to like even try to drop in and see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I came to think of that because uh, in Buffy, you know, the effects are kind of crappy in the first season, maybe, and well, maybe some other parts too. But uh, like, f- I think for some reason, maybe science fiction, if the effects are bad, you you might or I might have more of a problem with it because it's supposed to be like the future. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but it's like you're showing me a vision of the future and then if it looks like 50 years ago, that's more of an issue than just now oh, that vampire dust didn't look quite right, you know. Um because yeah. it's mainly, you know, a high school story in Buffy, so it's like you can be on board anyway, but then if I'm supposed to bo- like I have to suspend a lot of disbelief to get them out into space uh and everything. Get, they're on a ship right now and all that. I don't really have issues with that, but I guess uh, since I also probably lean a bit more towards fantasy, um, I can see people have it, like I, I can see why people would enjoy Star Trek Discovery now because those things shouldn't be an issue because uh, it's like one of the one of the best looking shows that are in space that is in space probably it's, right. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best looking TV shows uh, and. Yeah. It's surprising that uh, they would get behind it so much, uh, being that it's... I mean, I guess it's. it makes sense because they're trying to launch this platform, but then it feels like since they're just shoving Star Trek onto a platform, you would think maybe they didn't have as much faith in it, but then it looks like they're just spending all kinds of money on it because it looks great, so... I don't yeah, know. I even heard you say on uh, your other show, Jim and Them, jimandthem.com, that, you know, now there's no excuse not to make a Star Wars show. For Just sure. like after they made the first new Star Trek movie, it was kind of like, well, shit, clearly it is possible to make a good science fiction action adventure film. Uh, so so why, why are you slacking Star Wars? And I guess the same is true on the TV front now because uh, they, they set the bar... In a, in a nice sort of place where Disney would be able to like cough up enough dough for that, I'm sure. And then, I mean, and even uh, 
to go back to Battlestar again, Battlestar kind of showed it as well. Uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, Star Trek Discovery, like even, you know, takes it to that next level. And I, I was really impressed with the the effects and the look and everything. And like, yeah, you, it's it you'd be hard pressed to really um, differentiate it from like a lot of big budget uh, Hollywood films. So Rain Wilson is in this show. Um, what did you think about that part? Was it the best? Uh, I didn't mind him, honestly. Uh, but uh, I don't. Do you have do you have qualms? Do you have issues? I have qualms that I talked about in the video of him coming in as like a an over the top Shakespearean type part where everyone else is kind of gruff and they they set this realistic style and he comes in like oh welcome to the ship <laughs> I, I I believe that I have done this blah 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 and I mean that could there's a world in which that could work but it's also Rain Wilson and even his big beard can't hide his like sitcom face that he has underneath there. And I don't know in general, that episode where he was introduced was to me the worst episode um, of the season. And unfortunately there were like echoes of that for me continuing for the rest of the season, preventing me from enjoying some stuff, which we'll get into in spoiler section. But um, that was like the biggest hamper for me. And also because I mean, this might sound harsh, but I got some Mr. Robot vibes almost because basically in Mr. Robot, when I was first watching it, shit was happening that made no sense and I and caused me to like question what the fuck was going on and not in a way of like, this is mysterious, but like this writing doesn't make any sense. Where are they? Why are they doing this? And then that caused me to dig around and feel like, okay, I saw like I saw the posts online. Now I know why they're doing it. And there should there should never really be a moment like that where you're so pulled out of it that you're trying to find an explanation and then that gives you a spoiler for what's about to happen later. Cause I don't know if I mean I, I'm I'm sure you didn't feel as aggressively about the episode, but that one kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, no, honestly nothing jumped out at me at all. Um I don't know if it's my ignorance or my stupidity, but also for Rain Wilson, like bearded Rain Wilson is in one of my favorite movies ever. This movie called Hesher. And he does just play like a sad, depressed asshole through the whole movie. So I could guess I could separate from, you know, the the known Rain Wilson of the office. And I'm like, oh, it's bearded Rain Wilson. I know this Rain Wilson. And even even if he was a little over the top, I was just kind of like, hey, this is Star Trek. They do stuff like this. Yeah. Like, as we, from my outsider's point of view, is like, because uh, even though, like, I've, you know, I've been gushing this episode saying how, like, I, I love Star Trek now, there's still that part of me that's like, Star Trek is cheeseball garbage. So if something silly like that jumps out, I guess it does. I don't pick it up. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is that classic Star Trek that everyone loves. I'll take right. it. Um, yeah. And and I, was, I, was, okay. I was just going to say I was watching the Orville in parallel sometimes. And in that episode, it was like, oh, am I watching the Orville all of a sudden? Is that what's happening here? And then, <laughs> no, no, it's not. Okay, this is the Star Trek one. And then the other way. Okay, so, yeah. And nothing jumped out at me uh, as off from the episode or the plotting either. Okay. And, like, I was completely like... And and then the only thing that made me look into things was your video, and you mentioned like a, a like a theory, and I was like, what? 
And then I started looking at it. I'm like, oh, wow. Like you kind of weirdly opened up a can of worms that I wouldn't have noticed or thought about at all. I guess yeah. it's you know, it, it, it it's kind of payback because I did that to you with Westworld where you were just kind of watching Westworld. And I was like, what about this theory, huh? Yeah. You're like, huh? What are you talking about? That theory sucks. This is worse. Uh, I hate yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's I, I likened it to Westworld, but I. Uh, like I like Westworld and I like Star Trek Discovery, so don't get it twisted. But I I don't quite like when I mean I, it's great that you liked it, and I don't don't I wouldn't take that away from anyone who enjoyed it. But for me, the the experience was that there was a there like that episode didn't make sense, and then later they're gonna reveal whatever and make it make sense. And uh, it's funny that because yeah. if I bring up my biggest nitpick, it's such a silly thing, but um. And it's not really a spoiler, but in in episode seven, there's a part where they're at a party, like they're they're having a party, like a disco party on the Discovery Disco Discovery. How does that connect? But anyways, they're listening to Wyclef John, and I'm like, why the fuck are they listening to Wyclef John? I I don't like when, like, I get they're trying to make this goof of like, this is like classical music to the the the, the Trek Star Trek Discovery, but either way. They're not listening to that. Like, and I don't like when, and then Star Trek into, well, Star Trek and then Star Trek into darkness. They, uh, they, I mean, they played beastie boys. It was fine when they played beastie boys in the first one and kind of spoilers for Star Trek into darkness. The beastie boys song becomes like a major plot. Point. <laughs> and I was so annoyed. I hated it. And I was so annoyed when they were listening to Wyclef John at this party. Yeah, everyone knows in a, in any future thing, you should just be listening to like dark German techno, like in the Matrix, when you follow the White Rabbit and go to that place. Like that's all the music, and maybe the music they have in the second one, which I don't quite remember, where they're banging the drums. That's the only future music that's allowed. Well, it's just kind of like listening to that now. Like even though I like the song, and I would, like listening to it now would kind of be like listen to this vintage song. Never mind, like, how many, what is it, 100 years, 200 years? How many years into the future are we? I don't know. It's a, a certain amount. I'm sure we'll look it up. But, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're right, but I can't, uh, are they going to, like, compose music for it? I don't see why not. Why wouldn't they compose music for it? But that's, like, the only time, right? It's at least not in every, like, oh, I can't relax without Nicki Minaj and, and while I'm running around the ship here, right? They don't pull <laughs> it in too much. Yeah. Uh, is it twenty two fifty six? Is that sounds right? Sounds sounds about twenty two hundred. Yeah, time span twenty two fifty six. Come on, you're telling me you're bumping Wyclef John. I mean, I guess it's it was kind of like a double edged sword because you're listening to Wyclef, but it's Wyclef's version of "Staying Alive" by the Bee Gees. So mm. you're getting both, and it's twenty two fifty six. So well, that's the equivalent would be us listening to music from seventeen seventy eight. So I'm just going to type in 7078 top hits. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, ultimate classic. Nope, nope, it doesn't have it. Who's a, who's a composer from then? Mozart. Well, people listen to Mozart, but not when they're fucking partying. Yeah. Unless it's a lame party. Maybe it was just to show that the Discovery crew's lame. That Well, they are all like science nerds, supposedly. So I guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Mozart. You can listen to some Ignaz Umlauf's Die Bergnappen. Mm-hmm. It became the first singspiel by a local composer. So, okay. hey, no, it's such Jim. a silly thing. And 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 and, and but I, I get the idea is kind of like 
they're listening to class that's classical music to them i mean not to go further down this rabbit hole but i'm sure we have the technology to play some of that 70 78 music right i mean just for funsies right um i can find die birkin birkin Kappen. sounds dope i mean that's does sound like just put little in front of it and it could be a modern artist so maybe they're not as off as you think <laughs> <laughs> Will die Birkenham. Yeah. Uh, Ignaz Umrolf. No. I mean, I, yeah, there are probably people our age that listen to this music, but still. Well, uh, like, the, the I'll, I'll just uh, talk generally about it until we get that sweet, sweet hit uh, pumping through our ear holes here that, like, for, for everything I was saying, the characters are so important and so good in this. And yeah. se- the second thing, like, what I, I would like to hear what you think of when when you say it's moving towards more classic Star Trek. Um, like I know what you mean, but from your perspective, what does that kind of mean um, to you? Well, when we start getting into well, I mean, I guess part of it is informed by what you were saying about the crew. So when yeah. when we start getting more into the crew and kind of like this is this person's episode, um, and then it felt like the, I mean, there's an episode where we're stuck in a time loop. And that felt like such a Star Trek thing to me. And whether I'm wrong or right on that, it just kind of felt from an outsider's point of view like, oh, yeah, this is what Star Trek always was. It was stuff like this all the time. Yeah. And then, or even when there's an episode where they're kind of on a planet and, you know, it's more about these like interrelationship between the characters there and how the planet affects them and what they're supposed to do, like stuff like that, where it still is serialized. I don't know how serialized other Trek was. Uh, obviously this feels like it's probably way more than previous Trek, but they still found ways to drop in these almost standalone type stories with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, like this episode, we go to this planet and this episode, we go to that planet is, you know, or this episode, we find a weird thing in space. Um, I mean, these are, that's like how you make, that's the springboard of Star Trek. That's how you make an inciting incident of an episode of Star Trek. And uh, we're, we're definitely moving to, more towards that uh, as the season progresses. There we go. I feel like I'm uh, Kevin McAllister setting traps or something. <laughs> it's a sing spiel, so I think they talk sometimes in it because this is twenty minutes long. I guess we got enough of that. I guess that we got about as far as that joke would take us, huh? <laughs> that horse is basically out the, the fucking garbage chute. That's the equivalent <laughs> of them bumping a little Wyclef Jean. You got the refugee all stars mm. staying alive or whatever. So, do you want to start talking about spoilers, or do you have anything else? Uh, like, what would you say to someone who hasn't checked out Star Trek yet? I would say uh, if you're an outsider like me, but you're kind of big into TV, like peak TV that we're in right now, I think this is a show that's well worth your time. Don't be, uh, you know, thrown back because it's got the Star Trek uh, moniker on it, the Star Trek title. Because I feel like, I mean, I don't know if it's just unique to me, but I feel like it's just that would be the same for a lot of people. You just see like, ah, Star Trek. I know the movies, but I don't really know the shows, so I'm, I'm sure I'd be lost. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the show's well worth your time. It's uh, got some great characters. Uh, it's got me hooked in. I'm ready for the back half. And it's it became one of those shows where like every week I was like, oh, sweet. Star Trek's new and I'll watch it like immediately. It wasn't one yeah. of those shows that because there are a lot of shows that not that they're bad, 
But I like them enough that I'm like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll wait till there's a few episodes and then I'll kind of burn those off when I get a chance. But Star yeah, Trek yeah. became one of those shows where it's like, sweet, there's Star Trek's on tonight. And then I watched it and I was excited. Yeah, I mean, speaking of people's uh, trepidation, it's kind of like when you go to uh, showswhatyouknow.com and you're like, oh, there's so many episodes, so much content. Exactly. I don't even know where to start. What threads am I going to follow? Am I going to get the inside jokes? Yeah, you're going to get them. They're not that complicated. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I see where they're coming from. But basically, um, if you if you it's a space adventure show more than anything else, I feel. Um, and it has some smart stuff in it, uh, but it's like some, I don't know, I feel like some people look at Star Trek like, like a nerd show, not like this cool space show with blasters, and it's like, well, we have phasers, but I guess they're not like the same, but they're kind of the same, and in this, this show so far feels like space adventure, like there's a war going on, we're trying to win a war, and as you were saying, as far as serialization, yeah, we go to a few planets, but uh, there's a plot going on that's across the episodes, and it feels like there's movements. Uh, it's like there's a lot happening in just these nine episodes. I I feel at least so. Um, it's pretty good. We should check it out. Absolutely, I completely recommend it. Right. So we're gonna get into spoilers. Set your phasers to spoiler. Mm-hmm. Where do you wanna? Where do you want to leap off here in Spoiler Town? Well, I mean, I guess we've kind of we've we've gone through the the initial pilot. It was all about um, Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham kind of coming into our into our own. I guess we didn't go into much of the second half because, like you, we had mentioned, you hadn't seen it yet. One thing I don't like about this thing is how why does everyone think Michael Burnham started the war? Michael Burnham did not start the war. All right. I feel like it probably would have been better if she did start the war. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Was it like they just didn't want, they, they were holding back, you think, but they just still cheated and had everyone think she did? I mean, the thing she's on, like, for treason for is trying to, I guess she was trying to fire on the, fire on them, uh, fire on the fucking Klingons. But she was but right. She was right. And also, they didn't do that. Um, and then they were kind of teaming up again, and then she was going in there, and she shot the bad guy, Klingon. Um, I mean, the mutiny thing I get. I get how that could be seen by everyone else as, like, you know, there's never been a mutineer. I understand all that. But the, the, the idea that, and even, like, Saru thinks that she started the war, like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that bugged me. I guess it's arguable because... What she goes out on that space walk or whatever, and then she does shoot a Klingon or something like that, or she fights a Klingon before yeah. like all the other shit goes down. Um, but that's not what they're talking about, right? Yeah, I don't think so. So it's yeah, it's that was the only thing. It, it's not a big deal. The mutineer stuff I completely get, but the fact that everyone it's this idea maybe it's just maybe there's showing how like fake news gets spread across the universe or something or the game yeah. of telephone. But but I mean, then I'm just annoyed that Saru, like Saru, I get would be mad about the mutineer, but how does Saru not see that she was right all along? Yeah, I mean uh, that's a that's a good point. I I feel like it's kind of, like it makes sense the way it happens. I I guess if you like if a war starts and uh, like you know she was convicted for mutineering on that ship, plus she killed 
the leader of the Klingons, as it seems to you. She killed the king of the Klingons, as far as uh, common people are concerned, and now they're in a war. I could see that, but it's uh, it's Burnham's story, and sure, she feels guilt about potentially getting her captain killed, but she also seems to feel guilt for starting the war, and that's the part where I feel like if she had just more clearly done that uh, if they'd communicated that more clearly that she like she would have a reason for feeling that way too and for having regret and everything because she has regret for this mutiny which was a stupid thing to do um but it's not quite like the main driving force it's almost like hey we wanted to start like an elder scrolls game we want her to be a convict at the start just like in you know morrowind and oblivion and skyrim all of them uh so let's like it doesn't really matter what she did but then they work in what she did um because she's she like she's not that uh like complicated where she did a bad like she did some bad stuff but she's it would be nicer if she was like more of a bad person, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they, they do try to play it a little of both ways because, I mean, they, they do clearly show she's flawed in like how smart and confident she is. Like that's yeah, kind yeah. of her flaw. And so she does push things or whatever. But yeah, it, I mean, maybe if they even just gave me the little, uh, the little like uh, thing of maybe Saru being like understanding. But then again, then you're not going to have that crew dynamic that they want to have. So I guess I get why they did it. But it just was like she was right. It was it became clear that she was right, especially if you were on that ship. And then even like uh, robots, like robot eye lady, even she's kind of even though we don't know anything about her, <laughs> she kind of gives her side looks like stupid Michael Burnham, like. Robot Eye Lady is uh, doesn't have a single line, but they cut to her a bunch, and she's such a character. She's like, we have other people on the ship, and she's the one, and she never gets to say anything. She just has to emote. So I guess she she lays it on a bit thick there, a bit thick against the burnum. <laughs> there's Robot Eye Lady, and then there's like Full Robot Lady, mm-hmm. and I believe both of them were on the previous ship, from my understanding. Maybe not Full Robot Lady, but I'm pretty sure Robot Eye Lady was. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay. Um, uh, quick thing from the chat, LMAO, you're serious. Uh, tell me why it's more socially acceptable to be a Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. Uh, I, I don't know if it's really that much of a difference. These days, everything like kind of genre, geek, chic, whatever you want to call it, is kind of acceptable. But I, I guess to your point, I do think there is kind of... Star Trek is probably looked upon as a, more, a little bit nerdier. Yeah, but I'd say we're watching, like, look at Jim. Jim is like an amalgam of society right now. He's showing you that this show is going to bring, like, the movies kind of did it for movie Star Trek, but now we're bringing show Star Trek into the same space as Star Wars. So it's going to be socially acceptable uh, right quick real soon. So don't worry, Lamau. And and it's weird because Star Wars, because, I mean, it's hard to, to imagine, but... Star Wars was even the thing that wasn't socially acceptable. And that was when Star Wars just went away. Star Wars is like, all right, because there's that long time where there wasn't Star Wars, you know, after Return of the Jedi and then until basically like the prequels. Yeah, they kind kind of re-released stuff, but Mm -hmm. it was like, it just was gone because it was like, oh, that's nerd shit. Well, that's the thing. I don't know, but I like... It, wasn't it the most successful movies like ever? Like everyone was into it. That's at least the impression I got from that seventies show. Oh yeah, I mean everyone was into it obviously when it was out, but in the same way of like 
when uh, the original Star Trek movies came out in the 80s, everyone was into those as well. Right. Like, it wasn't yeah. this like genre thing. And then I think it was, well, like Matthias in the chat, Star Wars is for kids, so it's simpler to understand. Yeah, that's true. And, but I think it, it's, it, Star Wars faded away a bit in like the late 80s through most like the early and mid 90s. It was still a thing, but it was more thought of as that kids thing. The kids mm-hmm. are nerds thing. Star Trek was kind of always around, and it just embraced being the nerdier thing, even when nerdier things weren't cool. Yeah. And then when Star Wars came back with like the re-releases and the prequels, it just became more of a mainstream. Here's another big budget movie. So I don't know. I, th- I think that might have been part of it is that it kind of knew when to go away and it knew when to come back. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, I watched I mean, I-, I watched Star Wars on like an old VHS tape taped off the tv that i borrowed from someone like that was the technology like it was it felt like a relic from a bygone age like a protean relic i dug up or something like i i've heard people speak of this star wars thing but i don't know what it is star trek was just on tv at the same time so (laughs) got a point yeah Um, and uh, real quick i could go back to star trek here in episode three i did i did have a couple notes on this episode when she started like saying alice in wonderland when she's like crawling through vents and stuff I still wasn't fully on board with Star Trek, so I was like, what is this? What is going on? I don't know if you even remember it. Barely. Uh, yeah, it's like when they're going to find whatever killed all the people on the, their uh, fellow science ship. Yes. And she's running from this monster that she later befriends, uh, How yeah. to Train Your Dragon style. And uh, yeah, right. She's just reading Alice in Wonderland because she's a nerd, I guess. Right. That's yeah. the reason. <laughs> well, I mean, let's get into the science of this Star Trek. Now, one thing I will say is that this feels like it has the most bullshit science uh, from an outsider's perspective of any Star Trek, because they're like throwing in the pores of un- the universe with like mushrooms and how it ties in with the fungus and did other star trek have where like there were just space bugs that were just flying around in open space mm, couldn't say for sure uh, but i i'm i would bet that there were but that they maybe had more of a thing on it than just of course it's this thing <laughs> let's <laughs> yeah. kill it or uh, take care of it depending on the situation well because it feels like they i mean what they have they have this thing of how like a mushroom vegetation ties in with the pockets of the universe and like they use these space spores to tap in and have this new way of like you know jumping the whole ship around the universe and i i I know again they're like they're 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 kind of alluding to real things we know about like me you know black holes and stuff like that and how you know space time but then they're like this weird stuff they try to throw in like Am I the only one that this stood out to me? Where I'd always like roll my eyes when they start getting into this shit. Uh, well, spatula hat in the chat does say that it always had space squids and shit. Uh, okay, um, that's so good. that's good to know. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, it's definitely like you have the scene where two people are talking at the same time, and then oh, of course, and they both figure it out, like, and they get excited about the science, and then it's like now we can teleport anywhere in the world, and you kind of have to just shrug. Um, so uh, the mycelial network, that's it, right? There's spores all over in the universe. I guess they're not... And this bug, this big bug, which is basically like like a giant size like cell, like kind of like a, 
like a microscopic organism that's really on Earth because they compared it to a real thing, but in yep. space, it's this huge thing. But it like just flies around in open space and like eats these spores or something like that, and that's how it's connected to the roots of the universe. Well, I tried to uh, like I would guess that they yeah they teleport around in in space and eat these uh, spores and whatnot. But that's the thing I'm not a hundred percent on if the spores are actually like is that a metaphor or are there literally like flakes in the in you know floating around in space or is it more of like antimatter spores or whatever but it's kind of like the the show kind of shrugs it off so we have to kind of shrug it off i I guess it is a metaphor but it's also like the reason why they know so well is because they compare like they show the garden or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. like just like my garden and i know like that's thing star trek was famous for Right, where like they would say some like ridiculous garbage, and then someone would be like, "Ah, yes, like putting a bookmark in a book." Like, just so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we as idiots uh, know what they're saying, but yeah. then it's just kind of tough because it's all made up shit, anyways. Um, Special Hat did say that he thinks they tried too hard to come up with something more fancy than just faster than light travel. Uh, yeah. I honestly, I, I like, I get what you're saying, but I didn't mind it. Like, I kind, I, I kind of liked the whole thing of like, okay, all of universe is connected, and it's kind of quantum, and it's kind of whatever. And uh, if you like get too many of these spores, one of these monsters is gonna eat you up. Like, uh, you're paying the price for it, and then it's tapped into like energy, uh, like these currents of or like the roots of the universe or whatever that we can't comprehend but unless we're anthony rap then we can comprehend the roots of the universe uh eventually so well i mean i know i'm like uh, like complaining about it but i do more agree with you than it sounds i just it was just something that always kind of would make me kind of smile and chuckle a little bit when yeah. they started going over it it, it didn't it, it didn't ruin anything at all for me and of course, I mean, I, like everyone else, I felt bad for this poor little slug creature when it was in pain as they're doing all these jumps. And uh, you're like, well, we do that these days, making cosmetics. God damn it. We're just taking advantage of these poor little beings and using them for our own gain. So like, I still, I'm still in, even though I don't get why like Anthony Rapp is, is somehow connects to it because of a thing they put on his wrist. But that's neither here nor there. I guess you're not. It doesn't matter in the end. It doesn't matter. So, whatever. But it just still would. You know, it. it, it I couldn't help but make me kind of giggle every time it comes up. Yeah, it's not gonna pass like totally unnoticed. Um, for sure. Did you have anything else on the third episode? Uh let me double check real quick on the third episode. Yeah, I mean, since I still wasn't in, like, there's. I, I did make a note. Like, she just beats up her other prisoners. Like, starts karate chopping them for no reason. I didn't understand why like what, why that happened or why they were villains or whatever, but it was just a thing to show that Michael was cool. Um, I still am not sold on, I wasn't sold then and I'm not sold now on Tilly. Tilly's her roommate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's kind of more annoying than she is welcoming. And clearly she becomes this great space admiral or whatever captain. And all I'm thinking is like, is she from another show? And it's like a secret, like, She's that Russian lady from Orange is the New Black or whatever <laughs> that everyone loves. Well, uh, I wouldn't love. Uh, well, I, I thought you were gonna say like she's from she's another Star Trek character, and we're gonna find out like oh she's fucking Janeway or whatever the fuck from Voyager or something like that. I'm yeah, sure that's, that's. I mean, I'm not ruling that out, but I like Tilly. I enjoy her antics and her uh, awkward babbling as a contrast to Burnham. 
I, I do get that, but for whatever reason, she feels like she doesn't feel like a Star Trek character. And maybe mm-hmm. that's a good thing, but she just feels like a modern character from any other like show or sitcom or like rom. Right. She, she feels like she's from The Office, kind of. Yes, yeah. So I guess that that's not a bad thing because you're right. Like we do need some sort of release from like Burnham's intensity and like uh, always ready to to tell everyone they're wrong and and what have you. So it just felt a little grating. I guess I kind of lied by the end. I didn't mind her as much. But in the beginning, it just it didn't feel I was like, how would how did she even get to where she is right now? But then again, I didn't realize that we're seeing kind of the shit bags anyways. Like we're seeing the bums that you'd never see in Star Trek because yeah. <laughs> Burnham's still on the outside looking in for the most part in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so in episode three, they find this tardigrade, which they name it because that is the name of the uh, uh, tiny microscopic organisms, sometimes called water bears or or whatever, which are uh, kind of crazy at the creatures, as far as I understand, that can survive in the vacuum of space and like whatever the fuck they're they're like immortal i guess and i i haven't looked really into it but i've just heard that these things are basically like the cockroaches of the microscopic level except they're kind of like weird adorable little bear like they look like the creature in star star trek but smaller um so they find that beam it aboard and as you were saying they eventually figure out that hey if we just plug it in you know then we can jump wherever the fuck yeah, yeah, basically. And and yeah, like uh like we said in the chat, it's just kind of a a way to introduce this new like faster than light travel, like basically beaming the whole ship around the universe to wherever. Um and I mean even I even I as an outsider, I'm thinking like how how is this a thing since this show is a, a prequel. prequel essentially. So either things are not things do not end well for our crew or I mean, we'll get to how the season ends. Maybe that's telling us some things. Yeah, is it because they keep going like, oh, we gotta replicate this technology real quick, right? Yeah, we gotta make sure not uh, that other ships can do this. And then it's like, mm, we're two hours away from the base. I'm sure we'll get there to replicate the technology. And then, yeah. So, well, we'll we'll get to it as you said. Um, what else happens here in, in episode four? Hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a ship almost uh, colliding here with a star. Mm. Oh, yeah, because they, 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 they teleport, but they don't know what they're doing, right? They try to do it, and it doesn't work out at first. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, and I, I really liked, I want to touch on, like I, I mentioned in the spoiler-free section, this uh, chief of security that we've kind of forgotten about by now, but she was definitely introduced as a character who would be in the fucking intro of the show because she was the hard ass who was with Lorca and all this and she got equal screen time to everyone and then she makes a stupid mistake where she's like, I'm going to show this tardigrade who's boss or whatever, going to get those whatever we need from it and she like deactivates it and goes aggressively towards it even though Burnham's telling her, no, we need to, like, I think it's like reacting against whatever we do so if we're calm, it's going to be calm and she's like, well, I'm going to shoot it. Um, so she she opens it up and dies and as I was saying in the video clip, uh, as, it would ha- as it was happening, I was like, shit, don't 
like why don't do it so exaggerated because now it's not going to be believable when she gets out of med bay after just getting like a a fucking yeah uh a space sonic screwdriver of healing warped over or she's just going to be up and kicking like limping for one episode uh it's, why did you make it so aggressive and then the next scene is like here's her corpse uh and like Anthony Rapp's boyfriend is like shaking his head all sad, <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, because uh, that's a great way to uh, raise the stakes here. She didn't feel like a throwaway character, and they threw her away. Yeah, there was a good way to hide it without like where it is an actual throwaway character, but like yeah, you make it seem as if, and it's not just a standard red shirt uh, to keep it Star Trek as well, or just in general. And I mean, in this episode, what episode four? This is where you start learning a little bit more about Vok. Like, so Vok's people are just still like they're just stuck at the battlefield basically this whole time. That's kind of what they they're telling us. Uh, yeah. So the Klingon stuff, I was not that engaged in overall, kind of. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I guess he's. Well, because I just still... understand. Is it just the side? Like, since Klingons are so about strength, like some other Klingon family couldn't have just come in and helped them. Like, they just won't help someone else in need. Is that the thing? Like the uh, I, it's like the death ship, right? With all the sarcophagi on it. And yeah. they're, they're like, okay, it's been six months. We collected all the corpses or whatever. Uh, something like that. Or, yeah, it's it's broken, but they have the shielding technology and the other people want them to share the shielding technology. Uh, I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I guess maybe it's kind of like a standoff, like, oh, we'll help you, but give us the technology. And like, well, we'll give you the technology if you help us. So I, I, I was just very confused on why no one helped them. And then, I mean, it does just end up turning into that, uh, his, what is it, Cole? Uh, the, yeah. Whatever the other Klingon is comes in and, you know, entices his crew with food because they've been starving for months. Even though it's like, it's the moment where they just figured out how to fix everything. And then, of course, you know, the other guy comes in, takes control. And then they leave uh, poor Vok on the like the Federation ship, right? Like, yeah, like they, the they, ultimate they... insult because he hates uh, humans. Yeah, but he's already had his getting friendly with the Lady Klingon scene, so she she helps him out even after all of that. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, stuff going on there. Yeah, she's secretly loyal to him still, and like try pretending and like oh we're gonna sneaky about this and so on then there's episode five choose your pain yeah your favorite yeah uh so i i like it's not like i hate it with a fervor and i got more into it in the video uh but i wasn't super on board as you as i've already uh expressed and uh yeah i mean I, it's I don't... just the you know Lorca trapped in prison uh, klingon prison episode and that's where we meet rain wilson's character who's an over-the-top character from what is it from Next Generation or from the original? I don't know. It's from yeah, I mean, Spatula had said that you know it's they're trying to balance the fact that he's a younger version of an over-the-top character from the original series. And when you look up how he looked in the original series, you're like, they really toned it down uh, from this uh, this strange creature they had beforehand. So yeah, and that's where this is where we we meet and pick up the Ash character, mm -hmm. uh, which. This is where all the theories come in. I mean, are we going to talk about these theories? It's not a theory. He's a Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I guess at the very least, what we've kind of started to understand is he doesn't know potentially, right? Yeah, I guess that's the interesting twist on it. And I mean, that's uh, 
potentially towards the end there, they had to do something to his mind or whatever. But I mean, this is what I was hinting at in the spoiler-free section, that after this episode, every scene with Ash and Burnham, I'm like, don't fuck the Klingon. Don't don't fuck the Klingon, <laughs> Burnham, please. Uh, so, so, so there's a lot of their, like, chemistry and back and forth and will they, won't they? And I'm like, please don't. Please won't. Um, I mean, I will admit that I probably wouldn't think this at all if I didn't read the theory. I probably wouldn't have picked it up at, at all. Uh, I don't think. I could yeah, be wrong. I mean, that's maybe possible for me, too. But that's the thing, that where I, I felt the episode was so off that I was looking up other reviews and the reviews were like, hmm, theories. And I was like, okay. And then I checked that and I was like, well, clearly that's why this episode felt so off because they were setting this up. And if they'd set it up, I I can't tell them exactly how to have done it better because it all works on paper when you look at it for me. But just the execution of it felt really off to me uh, with different aspects of it coming together, like how he was, you know, he was captured so incredibly competently, but then he was in there. It was like, oh, we're just going to torture him a bit. And I'm a new side character. And we're talking about uh our pasts and and like who's a spy well it's clearly that guy who's a spy uh so on and so on it was a while since i watched it but yeah now, do you know uh i mean i guess maybe we're not going to go episode by episode we're just kind of talking generals here uh mm-hmm. you have you heard this other the Lorca theory uh what's that there's a theory that Lorca is from the mirror universe uh, Which I was a thing, I, and I know, like we saw, we saw uh, Stamets like look at himself in the mirror, and like something weird happened in the mirror. But from when, from my reading, it's like it's called the mirror universe, but it's nothing to do with mirrors. But everyone's like, look at what he did in the mirror. But, but again, he, but he doesn't have the goatee. So did he shave yeah. it or yeah. what? Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Because there's this idea because since he's so different, and I did really like Lorca as a character. I did like that. He, he's got a lot of gray area going for him. And that could be like, you do that too much. It could kind of come off as uh, like a parody, but mm-hmm. I did like that. It, you, you don't really know where to stand with him because sometimes he's doing weird shit and you're like, what are you doing, man? And then other times you're like, yeah, Lorca's the best. Like he cares about his crew. Uh, but I don't know. I, I've only kind of touched upon, I didn't read too much into it, but I did see a lot of people saying that he's from the mirror universe and maybe he's been trying to get home. And that's like, you know, with this last shot, we got there's a few ideas with the last shot because the you know, they do a weird jump and someone pointed out that usually they go left to right when they go. But this time it went down or something like that. It's like because, you know, how the, the, the ship like flips and then disappears. Yeah. They're like, usually it goes left to right. Now it went up and down. Um, so it's either they're in the mirror universe now or they've they've jumped through time and this will explain why you know the the technology they have is no longer a thing because guess what peeps this ain't a prequel we're in the future baby oh shit well that's what i mean people were saying a, a kind of like why don't we go any further in the future why are we just hanging around here in the past so i guess that might actually add up because they've made a point of saying like this thing could take you fucking anywhere in any universe. So it's like, ooh, where are they? I'm sure this would be a more giving discussion if you or I had any like concept of what the mirror universe actually was in the original series. Um, I did Google it, and I mean, the goatee thing is such a a, a joke 
at this point, or well, like maybe maybe always, but uh, like look at community, all the goatees there, and the first thing when I Google it is Spock with a goatee. Like that's where it's from. Uh, the whole concept of evil Spock, evil universe, as far as I understand it. Um, and, you know, when I looked this up, it's like, uh, it's Lorca of Mirror Universe, and it's like four sections and all this text, and we're not going to get through it right now, but uh, I don't see why he would be. Um, so, yeah, like, well, why why not just have him go there then? Yes, yeah, and, uh, like, you're right, they they really telegraphed it because in the scene he's like don't you see like this could mean we could travel through pockets of time or we could travel to other universes uh but like i guess from what this breakdown is uh because there is a shot where it looks like Lorca's plugging something in because he's bummed that stamets is like i'll do one more jump because he does what the 136 jumps or whatever and mm-hmm. i did I, it was so telegraphed because it's like he does all these jumps and he's in pain and you think he's going to be like, it doesn't show him after. So you're like, oh no, what happened? Is he in like a coma? But then he's just fine. He's just like walking around talking, no big deal. But then uh, he's like, you know, one more jump and that's it. I can't do that anymore. And Lork is pretty sad about it. Uh, and he, he I, I think it's a red herring, but he does. It looks like he's plugging some stuff in. Maybe he's doing some shady business and then they pop up amongst all this, you know, Klingon debris and they don't know where they are. Um, so the, the last few minutes depicted Lorca apparently causing the ship to wind up in some uncharted part of space. It seems likely that he used the spore drive to get back to his true home, the mirror universe. Um, the, but then doesn't that mean he's evil? Cause that's what the mirror universe is. I uh, think so. cause that's I mean, what spatula had is saying, and he's our go-to expert saying they're almost comically evil over there. Uh, he also said, I could imagine him being from 10 years forward in time where the Klingons won, and that's why Lorca is so yeah. forward in trying to win. That makes sense. Yeah, that does make more sense to me. And I mean, it is interesting how, like, they do just destroy the, sh- the, the ship of the dead, and although it doesn't, just because they destroy that doesn't mean the war's over. Like, is that what they're trying to tell us? Like, they won the war, but... Well, they have the fucking albino Klingon on their ship, so the war's not over till the fat Klingon sings. You know? <laughs> it was clear that the gang had earned a brief respite from the war, with the exception of Tyler, who continued to suffer from those debilitating flashbacks. Yeah, I mean, that was weird when we were seeing, like, Klingon sex shots in the flashbacks, where it was, like, you know, Klingon titties and, like, just having, like, regular people sex with a Klingon? Only, only good part of that whole storyline, I say. Finally, some non-xenophobic uh, uh, lovemaking on, on TV or internet TV. And I mean, it was almost comical how it felt like everything was done. They're like, well, this is great. We did it. We're going back to you know the base. We saved everything. Everything's done. And yeah, Discoveries was called to Starbase 46. Stamets announced that he was done with the spore drive jumps that have messing with his head. Captain Lorca was even going to get a medal. We opened a door to a whole new era of exploration, Lorca tells Stamets. The two men seem to have finally found some measure of respect for each other. Except if we've learned one thing about Lorca, it's that he rarely plays straight with anyone. Just as his pep talk to Stamets earlier in the episode about the discoveries that the spore drive has brought about was likely designed to get his officer to agree to undertaking the life-threatening 100-plus jumps. Uh, This conversation about one last jump appears to be a ruse designed solely to get Lorca what he wants. Mm. Uh, we see Lorca does something. Yeah, we already know all this. So 
We've known for a while now that the mirror universe, that is the evil alternate reality, has been popping up in Star Trek ever since the original series put a goatee on Leonard Nimoy would figure into season one of Discovery in some way. Did we know this? I've, I've, of course we did. Yeah. Uh, I guess Trek legend Jonathan Frakes, who directed an upcoming episode of the show, spilled the beans at a convention this fall. Uh, and we saw a literal mirror image of Stamets take on a life of its own a few episodes back. And last night's segment also had Lorca and Stamets speculating about how the spore drive has opened up the door to alternate universe. Uh, so I like these theories are always like, we already knew all this. So this mm-hmm. now don't get me wrong. It could be true, but all this stuff is still just kind of like you're guessing. Yeah. I don't feel like they've, I mean, maybe, but I don't, I feel like the stuff they're talking about is just to set us up for them going to the mirror universe potentially or wherever they're end- they've ended up and not for like, and of course Lorca was a goatee man the whole time. Like that seems like maybe, um, uh, like drawing lines that aren't really there. Um, yeah, and they bring up how he tells the story that he killed his crew rather than let them become the prisoners of the Klingons. That's pretty crazy. Uh, is that where he be? Does that show these from the Mirror Universe? It's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that was in episode five, which I discount yeah. in general. So, um, uh, but yeah, anyway, as we were saying, uh, Ash is a Klingon. They got the Klingon sex. They got the scenes of him being carved and everything, which conveniently also obviously are him being turned into a human. They have them, like, they, the lady Klingon says to her beforehand, like, we got to do some crazy shit right now if we're going to win this one. Uh, Holmes, she says, word for word, and yeah. we're going to transform you into a human, She, I remember her saying, uh, with the mothers or whatever, the, the old ladies who have the old knowledge. And we even have in episode five, like, the leader of that uh prison is like i learned english to be a spy it's like how the fuck are you a spy if you're a fucking klingon uh you haven't seen a klingon for a hundred years huh that's what we said in episode one right something like that i seem to recall uh yeah it's they're turning them into humans that's the only interesting part you mentioned that that he maybe doesn't remember uh and then it's gonna be a, a love triangle with burnham i guess i guess that's where we're heading and then he's like a sleeper agent because he doesn't even really know what's going on so i i think it does it is kind of interesting but uh, it, it did feel like once i read the theory then it seemed more and more likely and then the flashbacks seemed like it totally confirmed it and then yeah, yeah. he gets out of bed and like goes and kneels to uh her in her cell and she's like soon soon Wah-ha-ha-ha. well and yeah I, and she says she'd never let them hurt you or hurt him and and it's been said that this show will I think I I believe it's been said that they they will explain somehow why the Klingons look different now than they do in like other Star Trek, even though I guess they've kind of looked a little different in almost all different iterations of it. Uh, One thing I do think that's interesting is that I guess the original pitch for this show is they wanted to be like an anthology where each season would kind of cover different like crews and different characters. So we wouldn't necessarily stay with like this crew. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think CBS was like, no, you don't want, we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that we have like a cast and we stick with it. So a lot of people's theories is maybe this thing where they're they can have their cake and eat it, too, where like the discovery is the same. But, you know, they're going to be in different, you know, dimensions all the time. So who knows? Yeah, I guess that would add up like I we've talked about that sort of thing, that concept with 
Stranger Things, of course. Uh, if if that's a good idea, is it a bad idea? And even though I I like the idea of it when it's done well, you know, look at Black Mirror. That sh- show wouldn't even make any sense without the whole concept of making it an anthology. Um, but I also see like if you want people to come back you kind of got to give them characters to care about even a year later because otherwise it's like, oh, you're getting involved in something completely new. If you do it like Black Mirror episode to episode, it's like, fuck yeah, like go on a new adventure and then that's done. It's like a short film or a movie or something, but doing a season and then like finding great actors and then firing them all, yeah, it it doesn't like economically, I think, make sense. And uh, Well, and especially... Now that I'm getting used to, I'm, well, now that I'm uh, I'm acclimated with the idea of Star Trek getting, uh, like, growing to love the crew and the interactions involved that, and then the different backstories and how they play off of that, it would be really tough to then, yeah, okay, all these people you like, see ya, like, here's some new people. I mean, it'd be interesting if they could pull it off, but then, yeah, it feels like you're, like, losing out every year. Uh, speaking of Black Mirror, um, from the preview of the upcoming season, it looks like they have their own Star Trek type episode. So uh-huh. that should be pretty cool with our with uh, Jesse Plemons playing kind of like the Kirk like captain oh. type character. So that <laughs> yeah, should, that should be-, be good. Um, so episode six is like the Klingon centric one where her Klingon father uh, is almost killed by a logic extremist um, who attempts to assassinate him and they go hunting. Uh, Lorca, oh. Yeah. You were saying, I think you were saying Klingon. Oh, shit. Yeah. Vulcan. Sorry. Uh, they're all Klingons, Jim. You don't get it. <laughs> snuck that in there um yeah no they're fucking vulcans and uh they're here lorkish gets to show a slightly softer side because in the previous one he's like fucking leave mud he betrayed us which uh you know let him get tortured to death um yeah i'm not gonna touch on that uh but anyway he he now is like burnham whatever you need we're gonna do it um and i mean it does turn out it's more as well to end the war and also he's got his stuff going on with his uh his hot admiral fling who wants to take him out of commission that's the storyline going on here too um but yeah he gives like permission let's go find let's go find him find your spuck daddy yeah but then you gotta want like how premeditated are Lorca's actions like does he know that he's gonna take his his chick, his side piece out of the picture when she goes on this mission because she's in the process of basically being like, uh, enough of this little experiment. Like, you're clearly unhinged. We need to get you back to the Federation we, and, and do a review and all this stuff. And then, like, you know, and it, it just happens to work out for him. Like, oh, great. I bought myself another month. Yeah, I mean, it's every single time they lost someone or something, even if it was like fuck, we didn't return this library book in time. He's like, engage the spore drive. We're going after them ourselves. We're taking a fight to the Klingons. And then when his lover is gone, he's like, you know, about we get a fellow orders, you know, the thing I love doing, all these orders, right? Um, so it definitely works out in his benefit there. And it's yeah, kind of ominous. It's hard, to, it's hard to say if like, I do like, I do like that. I'm not sure. I mean, is it just a, a happy surprise and he just knows how to take advantage of it? Or was, or did he kind of foresee that maybe this could happen and put her in that position? It's hard to say. I mean, what great casting, by the way, on Lorca, because 
seeing him most recently in the OA, uh, and he's fucking um, Malfoy, uh, Lucius Malfoy in Harry Potter. Like he's the he's such the bad guy, and it's really nice the way he is this renegade captain. Like it really works with his face, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, he does a great job of it. Yeah, he's really great. So the the just before we pep, move on from six, like this, we get the reveal that not only is she didn't she start the war, she's also so great that even the Vulcans wanted her to be in their Vulcan Starfleet, uh, and yeah. her dad was the asshole who was like, "No, nah, Spock's gonna do it." And apparently, there's no take back season in Vulcan culture because Spock went and joined Starfleet, as everyone in the galaxy knows. Um, so then it's like. Well, you know, you'd already joined Starfleet, I guess, or whatever. So um, there you go. Um, and we also obviously get more definitively get a bit more background where when we were discussing the pilot, we were even like, is he Vulcan? What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, she's human. Uh, Spock, half Vulcan. Her adopted father is also Spock's uh, father. And he has a human wife. And that's why the logic extremists want to murder him. Yes. But Logic. yeah, they give him the choice. Hey, we, we need to take the assimilation of humans uh, step by step. We cannot accept two partially humans. We can either take the full human or the half human. And it's like, I guess this is what logic is, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, and then plus it's, it's again, it's more of the question is, why did we never hear about this character? Why did we never? And that's always the problem of making a prequel. But it seems like maybe they have a reasoning behind this. Or maybe they're just going to act like, no, Spock knew about Michael Burnham all along. So I guess what, time will tell what their plan is on this. Yeah, uh, this is the sort of area. Let me check what Spatula had is saying in the chat because we don't know. <laughs> we don't know if it was like, I, 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 th I know they took the name from something. Michael Burnham, but I don't think it was like a like here's Spock's sister. <laughs> I don't think that was in there. Anyway, that's episode six. Um, and seven is the Groundhog's Day episode with Mud, yeah. where I like Mud a lot better here, uh, yeah. where he gets to actually be a villain as well, because he's kind of being this weird Shakespearean Machiavellian type villain in a cell, and now at least he he is being an antagonist as well for real and causing problems and, and so on. What did you think of the, the whole time loop episode? I mean, I liked it. It's kind of, you know, um, it's territory we've seen in other media, etc. cetera. Uh, I did get lost a bit because, I mean, I don't know if it's just because they were cheating because Stamets is the only one who's kind of outside of time, you know, most likely because of his connection to the spore drive. But then when they start getting into it, Michael Burnham just seems to remember things. And at first I thought it was because like he was hold like he held her at one point when the explosion happened and they cut back in time. But no, it's just like she remembered things, then then the other guy just seemed to remember things. I guess maybe they were just cheating because it's like we didn't have to see the setup each time, but it just felt like the timing and I I'm, this is maybe me being an extra Star Trek nerd because I'm sitting there trying to figure out the timing. It's like, wait a minute. No, Wyclef's still playing and she already knows what's up. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, that's, I definitely got the impression that they're just skipping parts of the loops. So he's explaining it every time, but he's getting more efficient at 
communicating it or whatever, but it definitely is sort of speeding up to a point where um, it's almost hard to swallow or when, you know, he's um, the first time they run into each other in the corridor um, because, because, yeah, he, he, um, Anthony Rapp is the only one who remembers, which is kind of interesting because it's like usually it's the main character and we don't follow his perspective. We follow like the other characters and see I, I like like the reveal when he's coming to them like no you can't do that stop and they're like you're crazy and then we don't follow him trying to figure it out but he comes to them at several different times and tries to explain it and eventually figures it out yeah. uh obviously i didn't love the ash um slash uh burnham stuff going on but that's it that that all that makes sense i guess what's their and... ship what's their ship called is it... and i don't mean discovery people that's what literally what i was gonna i I wasn't gonna say it as a joke uh i was gonna say it for real are they mash they're mash right um ash isn't it bash (laughs) or is it bash yeah are are we going both first names or are we all right to use her last name and his first name her first name is not Bo. um well her name her last name is burnham her first name is michael right michael Mikael. Or is it Byler? Because then, because he's Ash Tyler, and she she's Michael Burnham. It's oh, either really? Mash or Byler. I'm telling you, Ash Byler. Well, this is something we like to look up here. Um, like to figure out what the the ships <laughs> the sh- are. The ship, because um, you kind of have to check the tags. Uh, I'm on archive of our own. Uh, Saru, you know, this just has because it, it it categorizes with the, the slash, but I also want them to have. A name here where they're using okay dubcon <laughs> um <laughs> ash tyler this one is i i'm sorry this is important i'm sorry that there's so much dead air but this is important byler um, mash myler i'm gonna see what the hashtags are on twitter that's good thank you that's so, a good thought our trek so, discovery we don't. We like to find this in the moment. What's otherwise? It's spoilers. What's the Ash Tyler? Michael. Well, someone on October 29th did tweet. So, um, Michael and Ash ship name should be hashtag Mash Winky Smiley. Mm. Uh, just when I started to root for Lorca on Star Trek Discovery, something happens to Stamets that I think Lorca was behind. Damn it, Captain Lorca. Also, Mash forever. But there's only like five tweets about MASH, so it can't be the one. I'm a total MASH shipper. Um, so a few people are on it, but not a lot. Well, it's- when I search for MASH ship, uh, I get uh, the TV show MASH. So I don't know if it's like accepted into well, the common... Discovery. You got to put Discovery in there as well. That's also, the problem, because just... you can't just search ship. Cause it's well, just... I get literal ships. Yeah, so you're clearly... <laughs> You're going to get Star Trek ships. So right. that's the tough thing. Uh, I'm going to see. Anyone on that Byler tip? No results for Byler. I did get some hits for MASH for sure. Well, uh, as far as numbers, uh, I'm going to give you some troubling news here. There are 15 works in Michael Burnham slash Ash Tyler on Archive of Our Own. For contrast, 
well, I'm gonna look up something for contrast, but that's nothing. I'm telling you, that's that's this ship doesn't exist. No one's on board. They push it so fucking hard in the show. It's canon, and no one's on board. I don't know if it's because everyone knows he's a Klingon, or because he's just a flat character, or because he's a flat character because he's actually a Klingon. And when he's talking about, oh, I'm gonna go to the lake when I'm back on Earth. You know, it's gonna be great. There's no fucking lake, man. You don't exist. You're not a character. Uh, he feels like that in the show for me, so maybe that's what people are picking up on when they're making 15 fanfics of this, which is nothing, I tell you. Nothing. Get, name, yeah. me an obs- name me an obscure ship I shall find, and it shall have a thousand times more. What about uh, Bangel? That's uh, No, 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 that's not not Bangel. Um, what, you want Spike Sp- and Angel? Bangel, yes. Spike and Angel is Spangel, although I, I guess that's not that obscure anymore. No, exactly. I told you to get me a, a, a hard one here. From Angel. different shows or from the same show? Well, there's 87 where the and Angelus slash Spike. Is that just with Angelus? No, it's with Angel. Okay. Um, oh, shit. I'm sorry. There's 979. It, that was specifically with Angelus slash Spike. They were oh, fucking... Gotcha. Uh, 80, 87, and we got 979 of Angel Spike. That's just on this platform. This is not the biggest one either. So it's just I think my favorite. This could be uh, one of the biggest driving points of our show, Shows What You Know, is getting in on these new shows and getting the official names of, of the ships on the show. And we don't, yeah. need, we don't mean literal ships here, people. Keep up. We're that could talking. be like one of our famous running jokes. <laughs> Well, there's 306 works in Star Trek Discovery. I mean, I'm, I'm just doing some extra research here. Okay, so... Under Star Trek Discovery for MASH, though. <laughs> I'm just going to get the fucking crossovers, man, with MASH. Uh, but obviously, Hugh Colbert, Paul Stamets is the main one. Everyone likes this one. Everyone's on board. There's 100, 100 of them. Secondly, we got Lorca and Ash. We got more Lorca and Ash fanfic than we got... Um, then we got uh, Burnham and, and Ash. So, so oh. just keep that in mind, everyone. All right. Well, the never-ending search continues. We got <laughs> Michael and her ex-captain also has more. Michael and her ex-captain has more fanfics. The, the character who died in the second episode, they have more fanfics that... Is anyone still listening? (laughs) So they're all gay fanfics, basically. Well, that does help when it's... That does get more of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the... (laughs) Special hat. People can't get off on regular shit anymore. I bet all the ships are about the tardigrade. (laughs) I'm not not saying all, but there's going to be one. We're not going to find it right now because we've got to get into the rest of the season, I think, (laughs) at some point. I lost my notes. I just have lots of fanfics up here. Uh, so that's another episode, though. It's yeah, I'm going to have to. I, I, I just want. I, we need to figure it out. I'm saying MASH. I'm, I'm putting my, throwing my hat in the ring. I'm putting it on hashtag MASH. If people even want this to happen, Michael Burnham and Ash Tyler to get together. Let me search here. Um, there's one. There's one here on this platform. Nope. And that just says this is a mashup. So it's it's a mashup of uh, different Star Trek. I found like six tweets about it, and it was it was definitely about the relationship. People don't want this relationship. That's why you can't. That's why why it doesn't exist anywhere. I'm sorry. Everyone agrees with with my don't fuck the Klingon thesis from earlier. I guess 
Well, this one here, I mean, this is on on topic with the episode we're discussing. OMG, this week's disco is the best yet. Wanted to immediately watch it again. Hashtag Star, Star Trek Discovery. Hashtag MASH. Hashtag Gentle. <laughs> gentle. Did they really write disco? Uh, was it the one with the disco on the disco? Oh, shit. Yeah, no. I kept getting confused by that on the Reddit because they kept calling it the disco crew. And I was thinking of the music disco. And it took me like way too long to re- realize they meant Discovery. I was like, oh, right. that's right. <laughs> So that episode was even more meta because it was a disco on the disco. Right. Yeah, right. is anyone listening? <laughs> it's a good it's a good question. Do you want to get on with the season? Yeah. Um, I mean, because and then basically from there, episode eight, we have the um kind of like the, the, the room. I'm episode. gonna cut you off in the ch- chat. My heart says mash, but my body says bash. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's a tweet on its own. Okay. What happens in the show again from uh, the canon? Episode eight was the uh, kind of like the Saru episode, right? Where they went to that planet with the antennae, yeah. mm-hmm. which was very, you know, classic Star Trek. Go That's- to a planet, interact and figure out this species, yeah. figure out how to communicate with them. And then you are communicating and they're not even hostile, but you misunderstand each other because you're so different cultures. Uh, That's extremely Star Trek. And also have to fight your friend. Like, yeah, like it, yeah. it had all the classics. Yeah. And, I mean, and and we didn't we didn't talk enough about Saru. Saru's a great character, even yeah. outside of the thing. Like like I said, I I was a little confused with his, um, like his intensity towards uh, Burnham. But I mean, I I really like the actor a lot, Doug Jones. He was like the gentleman in on Buffy, and I think he was a bunch of different monsters on Buffy. Yeah, and he's in like the Guillermo del Toro movies. Uh, because he's just like a nice, slight of frame, skinny dude that can be very alien like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, I, I shit on episode five a bunch, but that's probably the best part where Saru gets uh, some time to shine as a character where he is then the acting captain when the captain's missing. And he does this thing of like, record all actions of previous uh, uh, good captains and then like record my progress and what I'm going to do. And then he comes like he has a moment earlier when he comes to terms with uh with burnham and then afterwards is like well that's when i thought you were gonna leave then it was fine that we then i could be okay with you uh but then now here they actually come to terms for real where i think burnham gives him the the telescope of their old captain and everything so uh after this they're buds as far as i'm concerned which is why episode eight works you know because they're they're on the same side, they're pals, and he has this whole background of him always being scared, and it gets taken away. I, it's a it's a solid episode, I think. Absolutely, yeah. And this is kind of what I was alluding to too when I said it to me. Like, yeah, it felt like even not knowing what classic Trek is from the outsider's perspective, this is classic Trek, especially like when yeah they're fighting each other because of a weird misunderstanding and. Uh, or just being taken by a different culture. And like you said, but misunderstanding that because of your own culture, like it, it's, it was very solid all, all, all around. And they, and they did a good job of having it tie in with everything else. Cause then it leads to the cliffhanger episode, uh, cliff, cliffhanger ending to lead into the finale because these dumb little spirits or whatever the hell they are, think they could solve everyone's problems cause they're stupid and I like, almost thought there would be a twist on that of like them showing like, no, actually it shoots lasers or whatever. But no, they just kind of paged the Klingons and told them to come over. 
and kill them. Because they're all. like, come, Klingons, we'll help you too. Let's all just hang. They're just stoner spirits. Yeah. Like, let's all hang out. We'll just smoke an antenna. We'll just <laughs> we'll bond on a certain level. We'll and then smoke everybody... each other because we're literally the planet. <laughs> It's all part of the natural ecosystem, man. Yeah, and so the Klingons are coming to kill everyone, and Lorca's like, we're going to go to the base, but then teleport back. Which, uh, this is a side question, but towards the end, when he, when they're like, I'll make one last jump, and then then I'm out of the, then I'm I'm this close to retirement, man. I'm really going to cash my badge in, go, go home. And um, are they heading for the same base? Because they say it's three hours away, and I feel like it's already been three hours by the time they're like, okay, let's do the jump that's going to kill us all. Well, yeah, I think I think they were going to go to the same base and then but that's why Lorca either was being a nice guy or if you're on the side that he's always constantly manipulating. Like I'm kind of in the middle. I feel like he knows how to manipulate the situation, but he's maybe not always using everyone as a pawn, but it could go either way. So yeah. either he's because he does say like we could just do we could just do regular hyperspace or whatever don't worry and then Stamus is like no no it's fine we could do one more and then but he's like but I mean literally one more cuz then it seems like that's when he gets annoyed like that's when he's like wait a minute what I thought we were going to you know be back at it soon uh but who's to say um I guess that would make sense um it's just I have also felt this thing uh particularly in episode 5 but this thing of the plot taking charge and then the stuff happens that needs to happen and that is such a slight thing uh that the last jump kind of gets them going that whatever he does around them I, I'm not going to say like oh yeah it only happened cuz of Lorca cuz I fe feel like it would have happened cuz it needs to happen uh well, as well that's, but that's why I think like I think Lorca was being genuine. Then he realized, like, wait, this is actually the end. I was thinking we're just going to take a break. Then we're going to be back at it and whatever his plan is. So that's what forces him to manipulate whatever he manipulates because it's like, well, now we now we can't go home. I thought we were going to go home. Everyone's going to have a party. We're going to listen to Wyclef John, and then we're going to be back on the Discovery, taking the fight to the Klingons or whatever the new enemy is. But now when he realizes that, no, things are going to actually be done, he does step in and make some sort of adjustment. But I feel like even whatever his plan was, it went wrong because I believe his reaction at the end of kind of surprise. Right. So that's what you I mean, you actually think that or are you describing the theory? Oh, no, no. This this is my feelings on the episode. Yeah. The, so I, why I, do you think he was trying to take them on the last jump then? I really don't know, I, but I feel like he was trying to do something a little different because yeah, because yeah. I feel like there has to be effects of these 100 and something jumps, 136 or whatever it was, because I was it, it felt so weird that they did it. And then they were even in the moment, they're like, oh, oh no, we got to give him the medicine. They can't take this. But then right after he's just walking around like, hey, here we go. Like, this is great. This is me. And, and I'm Stamets and I'm not even like weird at all anymore. Uh well, so I, I, like, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I just feel like a combination of whatever he did, plus there are effects they didn't pick up of these jumps. And then here we are, future status. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's how I read it, that he did too many jumps. And then it's like, even that's why it's even stupid to do another one uh, sure. just then. But if you're Lor Lorca, like, uh, yeah, of course, Stamets is special. We love Stamets. 
but yeah. he just fucking injected himself with that shit. Like, he's... He got a lot of humans, Lorca. Like, his goal, uh, ostensibly, has always been to defeat the Klingons. He's not done with that, so I don't see why, unless it's like, well, you know, I was evil all along or whatever, unless it's this mega twist, I don't see why he'd want to, like, let's get away from Starfleet, man. Let's do some other shit. Because he's still going to want to use whatever tools he has. And, uh, oh, yes, Damitz doesn't do it. That's why I'm like... Uh, it's not like he's like we tested all the genetics and he's the only one who's compatible. Like you fucking the first person you injected could do this shit. Uh, yeah, true. I so, yeah. yeah, but yeah. The, so there's a big fight and we already talked about it, but they kind of teleport around and uh, Bo- Burnham has to go into the ship. What a nice circular thing. We're back right where it all started. And she has to face her demons, all of which may have been a bit more efficient if she actually... uh, I mean, it does make sense because she obviously all her trauma starts there. Her captain died and everything. And now it's like, everyone's coming home this time. So that all makes sense. But if she actually started the war, maybe something more would have come of that. But... But it's it's still all right. Uh, I still don't like Ash like PTSDing out because I'm like, well, you're a Klingon, you're meeting your Klingon buddy, and I mean, it is a bit more interesting when we start getting into that he like the PTSD is clearly real because obviously the first thought I had was he's just twitching out, so she's gonna leave, and then like, ha ha, I was a Klingon all along. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, they don't quite what? do that. They still, I, I was hoping they would reveal it by the end, and they kind of do, but they're kind of still like, oh, they're what a mystery. Playing it close, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, well, this reminds me, like, I don't understand what was that Klingon death room where they would just. Where no one dies, you mean? The Klingon sleepy <laughs> chamber? <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of, like, what, we don't know their motivations, but um, Mrs. Klingon. When she like takes the the admiral, and like I'm gonna get you out of here. Then they get caught. That like that part is uh, feels pretty dumb. Like anything happening on a Klingon ship feels a little dumb to me. But they mm-hmm. get caught by them just walking there because they're just walking, you know, whatever, having a chat as they're going to escape. And then she's like, "Better cover this up." And she like uh, uh, pretends to kill her. But then they don't check like her pulse or anything. They're like, "Hmm." And they walk off, and then they kill her. But she's also alive in the yeah. death room. In the death room. The death room. She goes to to dump the body and discovers the corpses of her friends. And she's like surprised, or at least like I'm gonna get revenge. Then she's in the death room too. None of them are dead. What is this room? Is this like where we keep the food? But yeah. you didn't have to be cannibals anymore because you you got the food right. So I don't even know. Yeah, like, why would they not just shoot them into space or something? Like, I don't understand this room that they keep putting people in. And they're, and like, yeah, if it was, were they trying to keep it a secret that they killed her friends? Or was this the plan all along to show her this room eventually? Uh, I was definitely lost on this, the, 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 the death, death room. Well, maybe she already knew, but it was like, ooh, reminding her of, of whatever. Right. But, but the thing is, she, I mean, okay, maybe they could buy that, hey, she killed the ad- the admiral or whoever she is, but she did it, and I assumed it was a ruse to be able to escape with her, but then she just leaves her in the room. Um, well, and they even are like, she does it as a ruse, but then they're like, you thought you could get one over on us, huh? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no double back to like, hey, let's go check if she actually murdered that uh, prisoner we had. Right, and let's also check if she's alive. Uh, yeah. No, nah, she's fine. Klingons well, are I mean, hard to kill. 
that's why some of this other stuff, even the stuff in the finale, like when you say it out loud, it sounds really dumb because I mean, the characters are what hooked me in. I really like the characters, but when you describe this storyline, like you have to bring these two like large things and place them on the Klingon ship, like just in random locations so we can full pull the algorithm or whatever. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to be like, we're going to, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog our way around the ship to trick them. We're like, we're over here. Now we're over here. Now we're over here. What are you going to do? Uh, it's kind of like, all right. You can't really well, caught up in some of those details because it starts to sound really dumb. Yeah, it was pretty hand wavy and very like, okay, so one of them needs to be placed in the room with the Admiral and the, the Klingon, you know, and the other one at the brig. That's a coincidence, isn't it? I mean, the Sonic the Hedgehogging was to triangulate the data or whatever, and not just to like get out of the way of the blasters, I guess. But still, it's very like, okay, this is this will give us a good climax. Let's have this happen. Yeah. Uh, and then she even gets to fight one on one with the Klingon, which that, I mean, that was believable that at was least, yeah. because and of it, how the Klingons are. <laughs> and it came full circle, uh, and 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 it was also like a weird validation of her initial idea was they only respond to, you know, strength because yeah. that's what you want to attack that ship. And then she gets to do it to the captain where you have to challenge him in front of everyone. And it was nice, exciting. It's always exciting when you get to get beamed up in midair and, you know, I, I did enjoy all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's the end of Star Trek Discovery, I guess. I mean, for now, uh, speaking of the whole anthology thing, I, uh, like it, it feels like moving on with the same characters is definitely the right choice because they got such great characters at this point. And if it was like, if it ended with them like, oh man, we sure killed that shielded ship. Let's go get our medal. Uh, and then like, okay, I guess in a year, maybe there's another tale. Like, I like what they're doing here. So <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I look forward to the back half. It's coming back in January, I believe. And um, I'm in. I'm all in on some Star Trek. Yeah. So good show. Check it out. Unless you, I mean, presumably you did, or you just listened to us spoil everything, um, which is also fine. But until Star Trek comes back, uh, we got some other shows coming up, like The Good Place. And oh, it's so close. I can almost taste Mrs. Maisel and her jokes coming up here in just just mere scant weeks. We'll be discussing them. Oh, good times. Uh, and until then, of course, there's always jimandthem.com for your gym needs and awesomepedia.org for your Jacob needs. And also check out our YouTube channels, which are blowing up. It's crazy, man. It's crazy, yeah, this are. internet business. Exciting times, people. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, see you next time. Peace.